0: You need Hallelujah. to start praying now.
1: Yes, Mr. Yes, sir.
0: yes, praise yes, be unto God who has Hallelujah. not rejected our prayer or withhold his love and kindness from us. Father, yes, forgive Lord. us for our sin of omission and permission. I'm covering myself and the listener and our family member with the blood of Jesus, that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. Prepare our heart and mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. Bless your servant for giving us the word of God. And Father, continue to give him traveling mercy, going to the prison. And God bless each and every one, at that prison. And God you know, God. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 Amen.
2: Hallelujah.
1: Praise the Lord. Uh-huh. On a mute?
2: The conference okay. has been muted.
1: Wonderful. Praise the Lord. I just wanted to, you know, wish everyone a very happy Valentine's Day. Um, this is amazing how... There's a very rarely we run into the Valentine's Day be on a Sunday morning like this, right? And so um, the first thing, uh, you know, that comes to my mind, you know, uh, whenever I start to prepare for a message, I want to go back and look at the, what does this day signify and how, you know, when I started to look at the Valentine's Day, these guys were just like, a, you know, the Christian should not be celebrating Valentine's Day, this is a pagan festival, and then uh, blah, 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 you know, this is what they were doing, and so when they were talking about like what was happening uh, on this Valentine's Day, it was real rough that, uh, you know, on how they were celebrating the three days, uh, this pagan festival in Rome, they were celebrating for three days, right, 13, 14, and 15, right? So I'm not going to get into that pagan festival part, but I want to get to how did the Valentine's Day came into play, right? It was actually, um, you know, named after St. Valentine, right? There was a man named Valentinius, right? And this is the guy, um, you know, Based on his story, there's all legend. This is, uh, several of these are legendary stories, a tiny bit. But Catholic Church is involved in this effort because they actually gave him Saint Valentine, right? There was a king, an ancient Roman king, named Empress Claudius II. He was like a tyrant, bloodthirsty man. And in fact, he executed two people on this very same day and their name happened to be Valentine, right? But here is a little bit more story to it. What happened is this Claudius the second, he actually told the people that they should be worshipping these 12 pagan gods, right? And so Valentinius was an educated man and he was refusing to agree to the decrees of the king, right? And so the king sentenced him to death. And while he was in prison, right, since he was an educated man, that the, the, the prison warden has allowed his blind daughter to come into the prison and spend some time with her, her father as he was waiting for his execution. And while he was in prison, he was actually teaching her math and history and English, right? And more importantly, he was teaching her how to pray, right? And faith was introduced to that girl. And also the legend says that girl's blindness, you know, was cured during that period, right? And on the day of his execution, right, the jailer tried really hard to intervene, but he couldn't. And so he wrote a letter for his daughter, and at the end, he said, you're Valentine, which is what basically, you know, got picked up. And because there was a miracle that happened, Catholic Church was okay. Not only he died as a martyr, but he also, con- you know, there is a condition to call somebody a saint within the Catholic Church. And so they gave him the saint. The Pope gave him the, the title as a saint, Valentine, right? And so I'm, I'm further researching this area of Valentine. I'm sure I will get to the message this morning, but I wanted to get to some context behind it. Later, Shakespeare, when he was in love, he just created this huge movement around this valentine and this saint valentine. He started to write some handmade paper cards as, as a token of love, and he was giving out to the people, and later in 1913, Hallmark picked it up and made it global, and now $17.6 billion to $18 billion worth of cards being sold every single uh, you know, year on a Valentine's Day. But here's the important part. To me, why I wanted to talk in length is uh, there is a story of love that I ran into this week. Many of you know about a girl that lost her father uh, in, in uh, uh, October, November of last year. Her name is Takia, and Sakia, they're two girls. And the thing is this, when I think about this Valentine's Day and how the love is shared, even though there's so many guys on uh, YouTube and other places are screaming about how we should not be celebrating Valentine's Day. This is a pagan festival and all those things. But I'm here to tell you there is a love story that changed, you know, how a life of one person can impact another. A couple of years, like two years ago, when this uh, first time this happened, the girl, Tasia, came to see her father for the very first time. She was six years old. Sometimes when we go into prison, there are certain things happen inside the prison and that will get stuck in your head so hard. Like right? You won't be able to forget. And that's what happened on this particular day when we went to pack the school supplies. The the thing is, the the person who was supposed to pick up the food, there was a communication gap and so... Um, they didn't pick up the food, and we had to be uh, in the prison a little longer, about like a two, two and a half hours extra. But the kids were playing, the fathers were happy, the family was having fun. This was just like a like a God given time for this family. But here's what happened at the end of that service, or the the, the back to school packing. Everybody was leaving, but this one girl, Tarsia, was refusing to let her father go. And the thing is that, you know, she was crying to be with her father. And so they had to hard separate her from her father. And uh, as they were walking out, both the mom was crying, that the baby girl was crying. And so... Uh, Later we found out the mom could not go into prison. She has some other uh, uh, records, criminal records and so on. So there's like other stories along with it. But then here's the thing. Fast forward seven, eight months, you know, we ran into pandemic and we hear that the father got transferred from that Lieber Correctional to Lee Correctional. And there he got stabbed and killed. And this 8-year-old girl right now don't have her father that she loved. And so when this story, someone in this very line, I don't know whether she's on this morning, heard about this story. I've said this story several times in this line. Someone on Sunday morning heard what happened to be a warden of Anson Correctional she went back and told the story to those ladies serving time in that prison. Look at the way how God is orchestrating all these things and how his love is spreading all over the place. Right? So when she told that to the ladies and those ladies were moved and they wanted to do something for this girl. And so in December they made like a cards and paintings and uh, you know, um the the thing is like a, they they even made like uh, you know, bookmarks and so on. So earlier this month I got a call from that prison saying that they wanted to um, you know, do something on this Valentine's Day. And the reason why, um, you know, they, they wanted to you know, share the love with that baby girl. And so um, uh, on Thursday when we went to pick up this stuff from the prison, it was a huge box that I still had it in my trust. And I asked the warden, what is in it? And, they sa- and she said, some of these ladies you know, took the money out of their account. I don't know how much they earn, but it's not a lot of money. But they took the money out of their account and they bought food so they can give it to their family. Can you think about it, how much love is being exchanged in the name of Valentine's Day? You know? And the thing is that one of those ladies don't even have her son because her son is in prison, but still, she pitched in right, they, they, they took what is, what they're giving is sacrificially, they're pouring out into the life of these two girls. And this morning, irrespective of what people say about the pagan festival and all these things, there is a love story. There is a story of love that is being shared between that family. And those ladies in that prison, those 500 ladies who packed these, uh, you know, the, the sweaters and the quilt and uh, um, all that stuff that they made for days to bring this morning to them, right? They've taken, the quilts had like a, a, a Disney's Mickey Mouse face quilted in there. It would have taken days for them to do it, but they are happily giving it to these two baby girls, right? Two blankets with the Disney Mickey Mouse face on it. And one of them has made like a, a beautiful, like a, a, you know, a bear uh, for this girl using the quilt. I mean, think about the amount of time and love that has gone in to making these girls feel the love. Later today, the, the girl hadn't seen her father since that one time that she saw. In fact, they haven't even come to this prison at Lee Correctional. And so this afternoon, after this service is over, after this, we have another service where I'm preaching at the Memorial Chapel. They're coming to that service. After the service, we are actually going to the parking lot of that prison. And they're gonna sing amazing grace because there's only one thing that can heal these baby girls, is this grace. And then we're going to, shoot. they want to release some balloons. And so that the church uh, people are going to join us. The prison has given permission for this. Think about all the people that are touching this love effort. And I was telling Arun as we were driving in this morning, I was saying, many of these people will never meet physically in this world. They don't even know each other. But they will. One day when we get to heaven, we'll get to see each other. But in the meantime, we are celebrating this beautiful Valentine's Day. With that said, I want to go into the Word. If you have your Bibles, I want you
2: to go to... uh, Hold on a second. I'm just going to pull up my message notes. I want to go to... um, Hold on. A passage uh, In the New Testament, where Jesus
1: is talking um mark chapter twelve mark chapter twelve verses twenty eight to thirty four that's where we're going to linger on I was thinking, how do we connect to the tabernacle? that we have been meditating to Valentine's Day because it's just like I didn't want to leave the Ark of the Covenant and uh, the Mercy Seat and go too far for one week and then come back. So I was just like asking God, God, I want to connect this back to the tabernacle. So this passage is the closest we can to connect and stay within our series on the tabernacle. If you have your Bibles, Mark, Chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. It says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one and you shall love your love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength this is the first this is the first commandment and the second like it is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is one, no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one another, one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. Now, when Jesus saw that, that he answered wisely, that scribe answered wisely, right? He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dare question him. The thing is this. We need to understand the background of this verse a little bit so that we can understand the context behind it. Right? This is like a two days before crucifixion. crucifixion that's going to happen. On that Wednesday, Jesus is in the temple, and this whole conversation most probably is happening on the outer court, where they're standing next to the brazen altar, and there are two people, Jesus and the scribes, are talking to each other, right? And Jesus, by this time, was also against the people of Israel, that the, the, the Jewish people. He was against all this exhaustion that they're doing to the people, um, making money, extra money off those birds that they're selling and charging money for the exchange of coins and everything. There are two times in the Bible Jesus actually went to the temple and he was just like a whipping them with lash and you know, throwing the tables out and all those things were happening. This was one such moment where he did that the second time. This was you know, right around this time, Jesus is really upset, right? On the other hand, the leaders of the synagogue was also now, happy with Jesus, they want to crucify him. They want to put him to a place where he would not come back. Why? Because they were against him, not only because of the fact that he's popular and that everybody follows him. In fact, on that Monday of this week, when he entered into Jerusalem, there was a lot of people singing Hosanna, And they were just like uh, telling him like uh, he's the king of the Jews and they were laying down the cloth and everything. That whole popularity was bothering them, right? But beyond that, what was bothering these people was that he was curing people. He was, you know, having a power over death, over disease, over the demons. This whole thing was bothering them because even though they, these leaders were preaching and saying all these things to the people, nobody could match to the divinity of his power. Right? So they're upset. They want to put him to death. But not only they want to put him to death and discredit him, but they were also afraid of the people. So they need to win the people over on their side because if they do something, and the people are against the synagogues, and they will lose money, more money from their, their temple, right? So they didn't want to do that. But also, they want to show to the Romans that he is a rebellious guy. He's saying things. He's causing commotions. They, they want to make him like an enemy of the state, right? So that's why these guys want to question him and if you read that verse very carefully, right, they're trying to pin him down with his answer. Right, right before this, there were two other attempts that happened where they came to question Jesus. One time Pharisees did that. One time Sadducees did that. And they were terribly bad. You can actually go back to the earlier verse, uh, you know, verses in both Mark and Matthew. They give a good account of this. This is a third attempt of questioning him, right? And the thing is this. That this guy, there are like a Pharisees, Pharisees and the scribes. The scribes are considered the student of the law. So almost like a lawyer with his ironclad clad asking him questions, right? And, and, and we see that. In this question, this is a question to trap Jesus, okay? They're asking him, Rabbi, tell us what is the, 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 the most important commandment of, you know, the commandments that we already have. What they were expecting Jesus to do is to say something that is outside the Ten Commandments those Ten Commandments that we saw was sitting inside the Ark of the Covenant. They were expecting Jesus to say something that will override the Ten Commandments. right? He's going to say things that's going to cause two things. Number one, they were expecting him to say something that, is, that supersedes the Ten Commandments. Then they can say to the people, look, He's not respecting Moses who had a face-to-face communication with God. He's not respecting our Torah. He's not expecting all the things that we believe in. So they were trying to pin him to a place where they can actually get, you know, the people behind them, right? But
2: Jesus answered them so
1: well. The question is, the, the scribe asked, which is the first commandment of all, right? They, they they were trying to figure out he's going to say something radical and he can pin him down, right? According to the Jewish people, like even among the leaders, the Pharisees and Pharisees and the, the scribes, they were not in agreement with each other, Okay. They themselves have disagreements, but all of those three groups were agreeing on the first five books of the Bible, Torah, right? Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They were in agreement with that, right? And, and the thing is this, in this questioning, they're asking, what is the first of the commandments? Why is this important? Why? Would they want to go after him with the commandment? There's a little bit more to it. What happened is, ever since the the, the Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy has been written, these these leaders would go to the synagogue, and they would be having debates about these laws and everything. They they even was like a writing down lot more than what was originally written as the Ten Commandments that's sitting in the Ark of the Covenant. They, they actually wrote lot more laws. And in fact, they wrote about 613 laws. Above the, the Ten Commandments, they wrote 613. People wonder what is this 613 got to do with the laws, right? In the Ten Commandments, when Jesus spoke, right, in Deuteronomy, the whole passage of Ten Commandments that was written had 613 characters. So they took for every character in that passage of Ten Commandments, and they wrote a law of 613 commandments. Out of those 613 commandments, Two hundred and forty eight are affirmative, positive laws, the do's. And three hundred and sixty-five of those laws are like a negative laws. Don't do this, don't do that. Right? So in the mind of the scribe, he's trying to figure out not only the ten commandments, but he's going to say something about the six hundred and thirteen commandments. Right? Jesus has been talking about it because there are some lighter laws and the heavier laws that were there. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 23, Jesus was going after these laws as well. Because he says in Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three, he says, Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you paid tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected The weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. The problem with the law that this Pharisees and Sadducees have put together is that it's very difficult. In fact, they have those 365 of those don'ts, signifies the 365 days, signifies the 365 don't do for every day of their life. Right? It's very hard to follow. And so Jesus has been openly against these 633 laws. He's been talking to them about this. Even on Mark chapter 7, verses 8, Jesus says, Laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the traditions of men, the washing of the pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. Jesus is saying, buddy, you guys got the Ten Commandments wrong. You guys like made so many commandments, including how to wash the pitcher and how to walk. In fact, these people, after they walk seven steps, they will shake their shoulders because they think every seven steps they have to shake somebody's sin that is lying on their shoulders, right? And on, on Sundays, like the Sabbath day, because one of the commandments is to hold the Sabbath, um, and they won't even like, do any work. In fact, even now, uh, one of my friends went to Europe, I mean, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, Israel. She said, They won't even get on an elevator. The Jewish people will not. The traditional Jewish people will not even get on the elevator because pressing that button on that elevator is considered as a work for these guys, right? So they are so particular about like not doing certain things, right? That's what Jesus was going after. And so these guys were thinking, Jesus is going to say something that we can trap him, Right? And so, this is how beautifully Jesus answers. Jesus says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God. That's the commandment. You shall love... On this Valentine's Day, we could talk about every aspect of the Bible, but if we don't understand God, and if we don't understand his love, there is no way that we can love somebody as much as Jesus loved us, as God loved us. And that's why Jesus is pointing us back to how we should be loving God. And in fact, today, we will talk about why and what will happen to the people who love the Lord. Right? So he's giving two commandments. He actually condenses. These guys were expanding the commandments to 613. Jesus is so genius and his intellect cannot be even measured with the human words. He actually condensed the 10 commandments into two, right? Just the opposite of what these guys were doing. He was saying, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's the number one commandment. And then he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And here's how he answers, connects them with Shema. The words that he was talking about in verses 4 and 5 on this Mark chapter that Jesus is talking about is something that they rehearse every single day, at least twice. The Jewish people were rehearsing the Ten Commandments in their homes. They knew exactly what he was talking. The scribe knew exactly what Jesus was talking about because these that's what they do. This is all they do. They go into temple, they debate over these kind of laws all the time. They're asking these kind of questions to one another. And Jesus is saying, Love the Lord your God more than anything that you do with your 613 laws, the love that Jesus is talking about is not of attraction. There's different ways in the original text love can be described. English is a very weak language. You can use love as just like a one term for every kind of love. You use this one word. In fact, in Indian language, we have different kinds to say the same thing. The love to a brother is differently expressed in words than the love to the wife. right? And the love to the wife is different than the love that you express to your children, the love that you express to the business, the love that you express to your neighbors. There are different words. Right here, the love that Jesus is using is of sacrifice, is of purpose, is of choice, is of obedience. The love, the word "love your Lord, your God." The love that He is using here is is not a very loose term. He used a very powerful word where He wants to bring the soul mind, right? He wants to bring the strength, right? He wants to bring the heart, the source of all of our thoughts. He wants to, you know, bring all of our soul, which is the emotions. He wants to bring all of our mind, which is our intentions. He wants to bring all of our strength, which is the physical energy. He's saying, take all of that and condense it into this love. With all your uh, heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Right? Why would Jesus say that? Why would he say? Because he doesn't want our love to be half-hearted when it comes to God. He doesn't want our love to be like a half-baked. See, sometimes... We have this tendency to do things even for the Lord, even for the ministry. See, the thing is we do sometimes out of guilt. Sometimes we do certain things out of compulsion because somebody was looking at you and you don't want to look bad in front of people. We do certain things without realizing that it's being done Out of love, right? And Jesus is saying, bring your emotions, bring your feelings, bring your purpose, bring your strength together. Make sure that you're coordinated in all four areas of your life and love the Lord with all your heart, mind and soul, and strength. Now, what was Jesus going after? I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 11. We're going to linger here a little bit. Jesus wasn't saying what was not already said. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy was written within a one-month span of the life of Israel. In fact, Moses was at this point 120 years old when Deuteronomy was written. Right. And Moses was in his deathbed wanting to give a farewell. He was trying to condense all that was happening in 120 years. He was putting them in Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, right? Now, in the chapter 11, he says, Therefore, you shall, chapter 11, first to verse, it says, Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgment, and his commandments always, right? Now, if you fast forward, why was Moses talking? I really want to go into every single word of Deuteronomy, but then because of time, I'm just going to jump over to the 13th verse, right? 13 to 16, Moses is telling what God has told him, right? Right? And God, this is the word from the Lord. It says, and it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season. The early rain and the latter rain. That you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. I will send grass in your field for your livestock, that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourself, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. What is God saying to Moses is this. I will bless your affairs if you love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. If you do put your hearts together towards me and you love me, you really don't need to take care of your affairs. Your business, your home, your ministry, that's under my care. God is saying, love me with everything that you have. And you don't need to worry. I will give you the rain. God doesn't, he doesn't mince words. He says, I will give you the rain for the land in its season. He's talking about two kinds of rains here. Early rain, in those days, when this was written, they only had two seasons. There is a winter season. There is a summer season. So the summer was so harsh for six months, and they're ready to come into the winter season, there is an early rain that just like, a, you know, takes the heat out. And then the latter rain comes that makes the the seed to grow. The earlier rain did not let the seed to grow. The earlier rain was just like a taking care of the cracks and the brokenness on the ground. And then once it is like, a, you know, made ready for the seeding. They go and seed, and they wait for the latter rain. God says, if you love me with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, with all your strength, I will send you the rain, both the early and the late latter rain. That's why your affairs will be taken care of. Number two, he says, I will let you gather the grain. Because in those days, what happened was, the children of Israel will seed it. But right when the harvest is ready, and when they start to pull things out, the enemies around would come and just like a take this and go. They will just like a, you know beat the people and take this stuff and go. And Jesus is saying, I will not even let the enemy have any control because I'm going to let you take the work that you put in, be taken home. Nothing that you're doing today will go wasted if you love the Lord. Let me say this one more time. Nothing that we do today will go waste if we love the Lord with all our heart, all of our mind, and all of our soul. And then he says that the new wine, it signifies the sweetness, it's the freshly squeezed juice. It's not intoxicated with alcohol. God says, when you love me, I'm going to take all the intoxication out of you. I'm going to make you fresh every single day. I will take away the bitterness. I was telling Sarah earlier this morning, you know, there was a lady who was just like a, giving so much hard time to this guy. He asked her, lady, did you wake up grumpy? And she said, like, a, no, I let him sleep in, right? Because she was thinking that her husband was the one who was causing it. But God says, when you lose your temper, don't worry. If only you love me, I would not let that thing that people are saying about you is going to bother you. I'm going to keep you fresh and new all the time. You're not going to be bitter over the things that are happening. The second benefit comes on the same chapter, Deuteronomy 11, verses 22. He says, this is Moses saying to them, what God told him. He says, "But if you carefully keep all these commandments, which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to hold fast with him, then the Lord will drive out all, the, all these nations before you. What is God saying through Moses is this. It's someone in you that is making you struggle. It's someone in your life that is making your life harder. If someone has caused you to lose your temper, God says you don't need to worry about taking care of them. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Right? He's saying, don't worry about taking the vengeance on them. If they have touched you, they have touched not just you, but they have touched the temple of my eyes. God says, if anyone touched you, they not only touched you or your family, they touched me and my family. God says, that's how much I care about you as long as we love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. The third benefit, he says in Deuteronomy 13, let's fast forward two chapters. Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 to 3. But I'm going to stop just in the verse 2 this morning, just because of the time. If If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. And the verse goes on. What is he talking about in Deuteronomy 13, right? What God is saying is that there is going to be people that's going to say things like I'm the prophet, I'm the apostle, I am this, I am that. But if they don't keep you in the place where you would love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength takes you to a different path, right? then God says be careful because they're leading you in the wrong path. We talked about this last week. So many churches in America is just not in the right alignment with God. They're so caught up in in preparing the props for the service and jokes and the movie clips and all this peripherals not paying attention to the word of God. Right? In fact, what competes with God is our apathy. What competes with our God is is the money, right? How many times I've heard the T V preachers talk about it, saying, You give money through this online with your credit card. You will be blessed, you will be guaranteed, you will be given three times. Don't I mean they just like you know trying to get the money out of the people. Poor people. And then they live in a luxurious house. Bible says, Jesus says, in fact, in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Most of the marriages in America is broken because of the money. I don't know how many of you on this line that are married over 25 years, or 40 years or 50 years. The balance has never been easy. It takes work. We need to dig too, Get to the bottom of this. Nothing is easy. It takes time for us to get through. But here's the dream. As long as we, we love the Lord, and God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, God says, you don't really need to worry about the, the, the money that you need to raise. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you in Matthew 6.33. That's what God says. Don't worry about all these things. I got you. Fast forward, chapter 19 of Deuteronomy. He says, If you keep all these commandments and do them which I command you, Today, to love the Lord your God and walk always in His ways, then you shall add three more cities for yourself besides these three. God says... I will expand your territories. You don't need to worry about expanding your business. You don't need to worry about expanding your home. You don't need to worry about expanding your network. You don't need to worry about the marketing strategy. You don't need to worry about the sales strategy. I got you. I will extend your business. Fast forward, Deuteronomy 30, verses 6 to 8. Here's what the Lord says. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. I do not know how many of you today in this line are struggling with finances, struggling with the health issues, struggling with a broken relationship struggling with things that you don't have a control over. Let me tell you, the, the world's richest men have less peace than you because you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. You will be in the midst of the storm. In fact, the eye of the hurricane, at the hurricane, will have absolutely no impact on you because you live under his care. And in fact, the next verse says, God will put all these curses on your enemies and, those, and on those who hate you, who persecute you. Let's fast forward very quickly into Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 16, it says, in that I command you today, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and do keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgment that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you will possess, you go to possess. Passage. You will multiply. You don't need to worry about your children. You don't need to worry about your children's children. You don't need to worry about your children's children's children. In fact, the curse will go seven years, whereas the blessing goes thousand years, says the Lord. Thousand generations will be blessed. If only we love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. And all of our strength. The last one of these, I know there is much more. Actually, this last from my process is Deuteronomy 30:20. He says that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days. That you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. What is God saying? He will lengthen your days.
2: The Bible says, you know, he will restore the years the locust has chewed. Right? If something is broken, you
1: can actually fix it. If there is a car that is broken, you can restore the car to its original state. If the house is broken, you can restore the house to its original state. If a table or chair is broken, you can restore it to its original state. But how would you restore the time? I will restore the years. God is saying, I will restore the years. The locust is chewed. What God is talking about is restitution. He's not talking about restoration. He's talking about what is rightfully yours. I will make it to pass. If you are crying for your mom to be saved, your dad to be saved, your brother to be saved, your family to be saved, know this for sure, God will restore None of the things that you have vested on their life, the seeds that you put in will go ever wasted because he is going to bring them back into his fold because you cried out to the Lord and he will lengthen your days until those things will happen. When Rachel prayed for one more after she had the first one, God did not allow Rachel to die. This is Jacob's wife. He didn't allow her to die without seeing Benjamin. If only Rachel had prayed for 100 more, God would have given her 100 more before she died. And God is saying, I will lengthen your days till you see. Until you see what you prayed for, there is no death that's going to come in your life. Because God says, you love me so much. You prayed for this. You're not going to die without seeing what you prayed for. Joshua talks about it later in Joshua 22. He says, be careful. He's using the exact same words in Joshua 22, verses 5 and Joshua 23, 11. The truth is this. They've talked so much about this, just one word that God is talking about. He says, when you love with everything that you have, I'm going to bless the grain. If you love me with so much of your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, I will lengthen your days. I will make your grains grow. I will send you rain. I will make your enemies go away. I will make your tent grow larger. God is saying all that things. Stop it you are praying for will be all yours if only you can love me like that. In fact, you know, there's only two kinds of people on this earth, one who loves the Lord and the one who hates the Lord. There's no in-between. That in-between is not going to happen. And the thing is this: I have like a more verses, I will send it to you via email. But I want to quickly fast forward a little bit to show that the second part, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. People always pick this, like that's the golden rule that the world, the secular world has picked up. Everybody says, you know, Jesus said this golden rule, love your neighbors. In fact, they, some of them take it to another extreme to say, love yourself as Build your self-esteem. You know, you don't really need to bring yourself or love yourself. That's not what Jesus is talking about. If you don't love yourself, you would not have washed your mouth this morning with a paste. You wouldn't have like a combed your hair. You wouldn't have you know dressed up yourself. You love yourself. Don't worry about that part. God saying, as much as you love yourself, love your neighbor, somebody else. In fact, you know in the book of, uh, Paul writes about it in the first Corinthians chapter 13, you know, love is kind, love is, uh, you know, uh, he's talking about like a 15 or 16, you know, different components of love in, uh, in, in the book of uh, Corinthians. The love that the Paul's talking about is in some of those translations is translated as charity. And you always thought, you know, how can you say, Charity, because you cannot say like a charity is not jealous. Charity is not envious. Charity does not brag. I was always struggling with it, the word charity. Really? Charity? How can you replace love with charity? Then when I looked at the meaning of charity, I now realize charity is a better word than love. Because the definition of charity is being generous and have an unselfish concern for others. Being generous with your love and being unselfish having an unselfish concern for the others. Now, with that mind, with that in mind, if we go to the 10 commandments, the first of the four commandments talks about the first commandment Jesus talked about. Thou shalt not have no other God before me. Thou shalt not make unto you any graven images. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Those four first commandments is condensed in that love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength is condensed in that one. The second half, the sixth, next to six, where he's talking about the neighbors, is in the Ten Commandments as well. Honor your mom and dad. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet neighbor's house, neighbor's wife, neighbor's slaves, neighbor's animals, or anything else. Really, the last six commandments is condensed into the second part of this commandment when he said that love, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. is condensed in the second half of that six commandments can be. This is why it is very, very beautifully said, beautifully answered. These people are so big on keeping their commandments They were treating the people so poorly when they're lower in their category. In fact, Pharisees will not even eat with the non-Pharisees. They were extorting the poor people when they come to the temple. Their religion that they were following was false and corrupt. That's what Jesus was going after, right? And the scribe says, you're right. You talked about Shema. You actually pulled up all of the Ten Commandments, you actually beautifully put it together, right? But let me close this morning. I know I'm coming to a, an end this morning um, with this story. I really want to go after the 16, 15, 16 facets of love. In fact, my next message to this in this church, I'm going to be talking about that, but... The first one is love is kind. Love is God, love is kind. There was a woman named Mother Teresa. everybody knows of her kindness, but she showed it to the people in 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 Calcutta and the thing is this: she was helping the leprosy people with leprosy one time she 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 was uh, you know, going and asking for people for food to this grocery store where he was, she was begging for food for these people. And the guy, the shop owner actually spitted on her hand. And she said, Sushu, go away lady. And she wiped the the, 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 the spit on her dress. And she said, you gave what I deserve. Can you give some food for my people? And the guy was broken and he just like gave the food that day and from then on. I actually watched Mother Teresa's funeral in Calcutta, India. Thousands and millions of people witnessed her funeral. Several presidents from America and Europe and Africa and uh, you know Australia, they all slogged in to to give her the final respect. In fact, Kennedy's brother went to see her uh, in Calcutta, and she was actually, you know, washing the clothes on the back. And so, when she heard the president's brother is there, she was just like rushing herself to wash and clean her hands to come to shake hands with uh, Kennedy's brother, and she apologized, you know, to him, saying, oh, I'm so sorry." making you wait. My hands were dirty. I was cleaning. But in fact, the Kennedy's brother kissed her hand and, I, and said, I came here to kiss that hand that showed the kindness to the people. Right? This morning, if your marriage needs to be strong, if your relationship needs to be renewed, all we need is the kindness that we can show to
2: the people. I've talked so much about Deuteronomy.
1: Remember this. I'm not saying all of those things to prove that I've I've studied the Word or, you know, I've I've, I've known more than you. No, no, no. A point, if you have taken that part, you know, completely wrong, I'm here to tell you that when you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, you don't need to worry about anything else. He takes care of you, and he takes care
2: of me. Thank
3: you, Cyril. Thank you for your message from Mark 12, of Jesus' words to us, and from Deuteronomy, the words of Moses. We will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. We let that marinate in our minds and our heart it is overwhelming because there is no greater love than this. When they take the man made laws that was in Deuteronomy the 613 additional laws, which I had no idea there were that many, and condensed them to two. He threw out all the man-made stuff and said, follow me. He doesn't want one half, a quarter, even three quarters. He, He wants all of us, and that's what resonated with me today. All of us, not just a little bit, and sometimes that's very challenging. The only way we can give all of us is through his spirit. We cannot do that on our own strength. Only through him can we give all of us. Do you bring all your purpose, your energy to him? Do you bring it to him? Nothing as Cyril as said, nothing will be wasted if we love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and strength. If someone's causing you to use your, lose your temper, someone's causing uh, abuse, if someone you want vengeance, You're doing it to him, and he will look out for you. He will expand your business, your education, your career, your your family. He is watching out for us, and he will lengthen our days. He is the God of restoration.
2: And to love your neighbor as yourself, because love is kind. Love is perfect. He is the God of love. Thank you, sir. Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and
0: ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin or rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know